Welcome to the Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. My name is Dr. Adriana Popescu. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and leader in the field of mental health, energy psychology, addiction, trauma, and empowerment. In this podcast, we will be exploring mental health from a variety of perspectives, from the spiritual to the shamanic and beyond. What if mental illness isn't everything we think it is? What if everything we see as a pathology is actually a possibility? What else is possible with mental health? Hi everyone, Dr. Adriana Popescu here with another episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. I'm really excited to have with me today Jennifer Cairns, and I'm going to read you a little bit about her. She is a neurodiverse and disabled entrepreneur, mentor, best-selling author, self-empowerment speaker, and founder of Rebel, Rebel World and the Lady Rebel Club movement, where they're out to empower, connect, advocate for, and elevate women in all marginalized gender entrepreneurs, small business owners, and creatives. Welcome, Jennifer. Hello, Adriana. Thanks very much for having me. Glad to be here. Yes, so happy to have you with us. So as most uh, viewers and listeners of the podcast know, I love to start the show by finding out more about our guests. So tell us about yourself. Tell us how you came to do this amazing, empowering work that you're doing. Who oh, is thank you. <laughs> well, I'll try and keep it short because as I've said, yeah, yes, I can, I can sort of talk. Um, so yeah, where to start? Well, I've I've always had kind of, um, I guess, disabilities for most of my life. I've struggled with anxiety disorders and things like that since I was probably six or seven. A lot of those things have, you know, a lot of them have come on kind of in later in life with fibromyalgia. Um, I have like IBS. Um, I actually have GAD and CPTSD. Um, I also I was diagnosed just uh, a couple of years or so ago with um, a really rare blood cancer uh, as well. And I have a thing called perineoplastic from it which affects like loss of feeling in my hands, migraines, seizures, things of this nature. So I have kind of the disability front well covered. Uh, and as you mentioned, I'm also neurodiverse and autistic and ADHD. Uh, so with me kind of working a normal job, you know, was never really great. I tried it a few times, didn't really work. I always had a passion, even again, from a very young age, always wanted to kind of have my own business and be an entrepreneur following my grandmother's footsteps who actually owned an insurance agency, which was really rare for, yeah, she was kind of like the OG of women entrepreneurs, you know, in that, in that way. Um, and I think it's kind of a combination of that kind of always having that entrepreneurial, you know, probably, uh, you know, spirit anyway, uh, not really kind of fitting in, but always kind of having this edge of where do I belong, you know, um, and kind of growing up in a world, I guess, technically that you could say wasn't really designed for someone like me with, you know, neurodiversity and disabilities. It wasn't always easy. There's, of course, been lots of hurdles, you know, and things like that to jump. Um, I'm quite a, I have loads of grit, you know, I'm quite a determined individual. So I've been blessed in that way, for sure. But I also had to learn to do things differently. You know, I created or had to learn a lot of different ways of how to, you know, have creative problem solving and, and things like this, because otherwise, like I said, you know, the world in a lot of ways isn't made for people like myself. And I think it's been through that whole journey um, while simultaneously really understanding and being very well aware of what the general public um, and society view of people who are different um, you know, they think that they were less than, 
you know, they think if you have a disability, if you have an illness, um, chronic fatigue, pain, whatever it might be, or neurodiversity, that maybe we don't have the same understanding, we're incapable, possibly even lazy, you know, all we want to do is sit around all day. Um, you know, all of these kinds of really misconceptions and biases and archaic thinking, to be honest. And I think when you have a combination of struggling, you know, to kind of make your way in the world and do all the things that you want to do and jumping those extra hurdles while simultaneously carrying the weight of this, you know, heavy amount of shame um, and limiting beliefs that other people have kind of heaped upon us and that I had heaped upon me. It's a challenge, you know, I have to say it was definitely a challenge. Um, and it was only really over the past sort of couple of years or so that I really kind of decided to sort of grasp um, and, and really kind of, I guess, take my life and how people view me and how I view myself um, into my own hands, so to say, and, and run with it. And I just got fed up, you know, I got fed up um, seeing how I was treated and talked about. I got fed up seeing especially how other women um, and whether it was in, you know, Facebook groups or whatever it was, but just how kind of they felt about themselves because they had disabilities, you know, or neurodiversity and how other people talked about people who had, you know, disabilities and neurodiversities and illnesses and things like that. Um, and that's when I just, it was almost like a, a switch kind of went off of me and that I knew I had to do something. Um, yeah. And, in, and ironically enough, it was kind of during the most chaotic time of my life because up until 2019, my husband and I ran a consultancy together. And at that time, we were just bringing some things online. So I had only really kind of been in the online space for about a year, kind of testing some things, you know, and, you know, getting to know how to use social media really well and all of that kind of stuff. And at the end, towards the end of November in 2019, my husband just completely out of the blue had a stroke. So, and that kind of one swoop, you know, the, the business was stopped, um, you know, obviously family life was chaotic uh, and we have two boys as well. And about two months after his stroke, I got my blood cancer diagnosis and two months after that COVID hit. So during a very short six month period, it was, you know, chaos <laughs> is the best way, you know, there's no easy, nice, pleasant way to kind of describe what it was. It was chaos. Um, yet kind of in the midst of all of that chaos, I was determined to, you know, bring something back out of the business. I didn't know what it was going to be at that stage. Um, that's when kind of the name Lady Rebel Club sort of came to me, but I wasn't sure exactly what I was going to do, but I knew I wanted to do something for humans like me. Um, and like I said, I'm quite determined. And I think it's when either I see something happening to other people especially those that I care about, you know, where I can get, you know, like I said, this grit kind of rises up inside of me. Um, or when my back's really against a corner, um, I seem to kind of always come out fighting. So I took everything on the chin and yeah, decided, really got down to grips and wanted to then figure out, right, well, what is going on with me? How can I work better? I need to find better, you know, how can I get to know all my strengths and weaknesses better? Let's stop hiding. Let's, you know, look the disabilities and the neurodiversities, you know, straight in the eye and figure out, right, what can you give me and what do I need to help all of this, you know, kind of work better? Uh, and that's what I did for like the next year and a half or so is, is really get to grips with, right, what works for me as an individual without all the cookie cutter, you know, processes and all of this kind of stuff. And did that 
everything, you know, now is far easier for me. It's not perfect. You know, it doesn't mean I don't have difficult days and things of that nature, but I've definitely learned to work in a better way. I know a lot more what my limitations are. I know a lot more now what, if I do X, Y, and Z, here's what's going to happen if I do that. And I build in that recovery time. Um, but also I've learned, you know, to find my voice, um, in regards to, you know, myself as a whole person and not just the piece of me that society wanted to see. And hopefully a lot of the work that we're doing with Lady Rebel Club, um, and elevating up, you know, the voices and, uh, the profiles and the businesses and the missions of our community is to show that, Hey, we rock just as we are. Yes. Again, we all have strengths and weaknesses and things that we can improve and more skills, you know, that we can learn um, and adapt and, and whatnot. But we don't need to hide who we are. And I think that that's a really, I think that's really the biggest message that, you know, that we would want to put out there. Yeah. And for so long, you know, people have been hiding all kinds of yeah. things. They've been hiding, you know, their sexual identity. They've been hiding the fact that maybe their brain works differently than someone else's. The fact that, um, they don't think the same way. They don't have the same value systems that the people around them do. Mm -hmm. um, so many ways in which people are just different. And yet mm -hmm. in our society, we seem to judge that. The difference mm -hmm. is bad. Difference is wrong. If you don't fit into the kind of the herd or yeah. call it yeah. the sheep mentality, yes, yes. Um, then you're, out, you're outcast. And there were times in history when, you know, you would have been kicked out of the community or. Oh, yes. Right. Yes. Yep. <laughs> so we have that, you know, gen intergenerational trauma, we could call mm -hmm. it, that's coming down, you know, through throughout history and that we're still dealing with in our world. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I think that that's, you know, that's definitely part of it. I think and, and, and funny enough, and I do have, you know, I have a great sense of humor. And I think, again, myself and a lot of our community actually does because we've had no no choice but to, you know, but to have with a lot of the things that we deal with um and a lot of us kind of joke around and say um you know a lot of us are like cake it's all about like the layers of the cake right you know um and how many layers do we have you know that we need to sort of jump over um you know and of course if we're a woman you know that's an extra layer you know in and of itself right you know, um, if we have a disability, you know, if a neurodiversity and all of these layers, you know, kind of stack up. So yes, some of us, even within our communities can have, um, you know, different and higher layers, you know, that they need to jump than some of us, for instance, one of my good friends in our community, you know, she, she says herself, she's like, I'm a black single mom with ADHD, you know, like I'm at the top, you know, <laughs> I'm one of the top, very top layers. And that's, but it's okay that if that's, you know, it's it's accepting ourselves for who we are and whatever the quote unquote labels are that, you know, ourselves and society feel need, you know, to to give ourselves. Um, it doesn't change, you know, who we are necessarily deep down as, as a person. And I think it's getting to grips with, like I said, who we are underneath the labels right. so that we can figure out really not only just how we can work better in our business, but really how we can be happier. And I think because we spend so much time, um, you know, so much time and worry and all of these kinds of things, trying to hide all that added stress and pressure and, and everything else, you know, it's not good for our health, full stop. Um, and I know myself, despite, you know, having the cancer and despite going through, you know, rounds of, of treatment and things of that nature, yes, I had periods where I was, you know, was really, you know, unwell right after treatment and whatnot. 
But generally, you know, my health is better now than what it was, you know, even 10 years ago, probably before I even had the cancer, because I don't have, you know, it hasn't cured, you know, my anxiety disorders or anything like this. Um, but because I understand myself better uh, and I'm not hiding, it's removed a lot of that constant stress and strain, which I know has definitely had a positive impact on, you know, my physical health and as well as my mental health. You brought up just now a very, I think, important point, something I see a lot in my practice as a psychologist and as an empowerment coach is how people, how much energy it takes to actually repress and suppress your true nature and try to bend and mold yourself to fit other people's expectations or yes. society's expectations of who you should be given your label. Yeah. Uh, and and how what a toll it tends to take on people's physical health, not just their mental health, emotional mm -hmm. health, psychological, spiritual health, but like their physical health. Often there's a correlation there between those two things. Well, it's no surprise, you know, that a huge percentage, I think it's like over 70 percent on average. Right. A lot of women who um, especially late diagnosed now, um, women who are neurodiverse in some aspect have. IBS have a lot of gastric issues. They have fibromyalgia. We have autoimmune disorders, and a lot of those things, you know, in a lot of the research that's showing is from long, can be caused not just, but can be caused also from long term stress, you know, right. on the brain and different things like that. So, all of that, you know, the thirty or forty years or whatever or longer, maybe for some, you know, of kind of wondering what's going on, having this little voice in the back of your head going, "What's wrong with me? What is this?" and having to kind of not really understand what's happening, but then even when you do, again, you know, you have that pressure to kind of not be yourself, but to kind of, you know, still continue to mold and do all of the things that you need to do in order to try to fit in and hide who you are. And it's draining, you know, and once we kind of grasp that and we really believe that, hey, yes, I'm not broken, you know, this is just how I am we can better understand the complexities of who we are because we're not just one, like I said, you know, we're not just one label individually, you know, and I know myself, um, if I go and do something, even though I've worked really hard and I, you know, I was in therapy for a little while off and on for anxiety disorders, but I also learned to self-manage, you know, in a lot of ways with it. And even though I have a really good grasp on different aspects of my anxiety and what triggers it and how to cope if it's been triggered, et cetera, I also, I also know now because of my neurodiversity and understand, you know, better how those work with myself, that if I go and do X, Y, and Z, even though, so like go to like a face-to-face -face networking event or something like that, even though I can go and I'm a brilliant masker, you know, I can go and be just like this. Now I'm very comfortable doing video and virtual stuff. Um, but I can show up and be just like this. And most people wouldn't have a clue. And that's probably because I've been masking for so long. Um, but I'll know the toll that that will take on me. And it, it's not necessarily just on its own because of my neurodiversity or just because of the anxiety, but because my neurodiversity is going, oh, wait, hold on a minute. And that's almost like adding fire, right? Or adding, I should say, you know, gasoline to the anxiety fire, which yeah. then that has an impact on my health. So I say, right, I know if I'm going to do this, this is going to be the knock-on effect. And you know what? I need to give myself two to three days where I'm not taking calls. I'm not doing videos. I'm, you know, maybe fart about on the computer doing graphics or, you know, if I need to write some content or whatever it might be, but then that's it. And I relax and I recover. But if you don't build that at time in, 
what happens in it snowballs and snowballs and snowballs and compounds. And this is why once we can stop hiding and be honest with ourselves, you know, and not have to feel that pressure, we can really start to say, right. So what is really that I need to put in place for myself? What's my own plan that I need to have my own almost management plan, right. For when things happen or, um, you know, whatever the strategies are that I need to put in place. Yeah. So to me, that sounds like we need to let go of expectations and, Mm -hmm. and the pressure that many of us, and I think, especially as women, we have this tendency to put so much pressure on ourselves to be everything to everyone, put other people's needs ahead of our own. And for sure. Right. (laughs) And so often it's our own health that suffers as a result, because we're not making the time we were put so much pressure right Mm. on ourselves and the toll that of course that takes but that you know we really have to look at the expectations we have and and be realistic with ourselves and instead of saying oh I'm limited because I have this that or the other condition um more Mm. like I need to honor myself by not taking on too much yeah that's it exactly exactly you know and well, that's it. I mean, I think it's like you said, it's probably a better way of putting is honoring ourselves and knowing that um, and having that, you know, that respect for ourselves that we put in those boundaries, you know, and we say, or we put in the, you know, the, the aftercare plan afterwards that we know that we need to have. Um, but it's even having that, you know, the forethought for, so again, with myself, because I, I know that I have less, even though I probably do just as much. And I would, I would dare say for anyone who knows me, even probably more you know, than a lot of um, entrepreneurs that I know, you know, to be honest, and not that I work longer days, but I just actually get quite a lot accomplished um, in, you know, shorter amounts of time, maybe. Um, But I also have, you know, less energy and less just because of the different health things and everything going on, less energy um, and therefore a bit less time. You know, I I can't push myself to work 60 hours a week, you know, or anything like, uh, like that crazy. Um, so I try to keep, you know, within parameters again, that I sort of give myself, but because I know I have less energy, I also have to make better decisions about the things that I do. So myself personally, like I have a matrix that I run certain decisions through and I say, right, do I need to take this call? Right. Perhaps it's a call or an interview or whatever it might be. That's maybe not on a day that I do calls because I have set days, typically Tuesdays and Thursdays, where I do most of my calls and interviews and things. So if it's going to fall outside of those two days, it needs to really hit a, you know, a high number on the matrix that I have, or else I say to myself, right, well, although it would be wonderful to do this, do you know what? I'm going to have to put it on the back burner until we can find a more agreeable time that sits with my schedule. So, and again, it allows you to kind of put those things in place that protects yourself, you know, and protects your time and your energy, um, and as you said, you know, kind of honors, you know, it, it allows us to honor ourselves and all of the, um, you know, all of the things going on with us, not as bad, you know, but just as, um, as who we are and what we need. Exactly. And I realized too, you know, we've been using this term neurodivergent and there may be some people listening or watching this yes. podcast who might not know what that term means. Cause honestly, it's come out fairly recently. That wasn't something that certainly was not a term that I learned in graduate school in learning about psychology. I learned that yeah. pathologies and disabilities, mm. right? Yeah. So can you tell us more about this term. Yeah, well, I think, you know, and it's funny enough because it's already even evolving, even though it hasn't been around um, all that long. And I heard a recent one 
not too long ago, and I'm trying to remember the gentleman's name on LinkedIn, unfortunately I can't remember it, but he does a lot of, he's neurodivergent as well and talks a lot about it. Um, but in a nutshell, neurodivergency basically just kind of means, you know, if I'm in a room of say six individuals, my brain is going to function slightly differently than typically, you know, the other six. Now, again, none of our brains are exactly alike, but there is, you know, some typical, you know, things that most of the brains and how they would work. So the other five people, their brains are going to work, you know, in most ways sort of similar. My brain is going to work slightly differently. So that's kind of where the term, you know, neurodivergency sort of comes from um, or what it means, I should say. There's a new term called, what was it? What was it? Neuro, neuro, normality or something like that. I don't know. I've heard a few variations of it now that have kind of been bouncing around where people, um, which is great because, you know, language is an interesting thing and how it changes and evolves as well. But really what it means, you know, as a, as a, if you're looking at sort of conditions or, or whatnot. So it might be things like, you know, being autistic, being ADHD, OCD, um, Tourette's, um, you know, dyspraxia, uh, those types of things. Now I know some, uh, some professionals also are classing aspects of anxiety, you know, under neurodiversity and some aren't. So I think there's a slight, you know, in some ways there's a bit of a gray area, you know, in it, um, in that fashion, but I think it's just, yeah, if your brain's function slightly different, you know, than you know, that sort of majority that maybe you're with, then that's kind of a neurodiversity in and of itself. Yeah. And I think it's also, um, it includes like learning styles, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, we spoke earlier mm-hmm. about how, you know, kids, for example, you know, are expected. We have this mm-hmm. old, my cat, um, we have this like <laughs> old paradigm, you know, from maybe the 1800s or something where mm-hmm. children are expected to sit quietly in a chair still all day long sort of passively yeah. taking in this information that's probably quite boring in many <laughs> yes. to them. And then and then we say, what's wrong with the kid that they can't sit still mm-hmm. and let's give them some pills to get them so we can to behave better so that we can manage them in the classroom rather mm-hmm. than creating a learning environment that actually accommodates people's different learning styles. Like I know for myself, I can't sit passively in a lecture and stay focused on what, unless I'm just riveted by what they're saying, but like my, my brain is doing 50 other things at once. I have to be on my phone, do, 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 because the more things Mm -hmm. I act, more stimulation I get, the more attentive I can be. Um, Mm -hmm. But I have that with my, because of my ADHD as well. I'm like, my husband's like, can you just do what? I'm like, no. No, I need that constant dopamine. I'm like, no, I need more. I need more. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And we're the type of people who can actually, you know, multitask really well, but that's often seen as a pathology that you can't focus on one thing at a time. And actually what we know Mm -hmm. about folks with that particular diagnosis is it's, if it's of interest to them, they can Mm -hmm. get hyper-focused. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. So so really honoring that that kids learn in different ways. Some of us are mm-hmm. auditory learners. Some of us are visual. Some of us are more kinesthetic. I'm somebody who needs to like pick things up and manipulate them with my hands yeah. and move around with it. Um, yeah. And communication and- styles as well as you yes. know yourself. Yeah, we, we have different communication styles. And I know me and myself, it's really hard. Um, and ironically, it was when I first came online, I wanted to do a live video and I had 
a horrendous <laughs> coach at the time. And uh, she was like, stop talking with your hands. Stop doing this. Stop doing that. And I walk, went back and watched, um, actually not long ago, a few of those videos from that time. And I was like this. I was so focused on not talking with my hands because <laughs> that's just part of my thing, you know, that my I do use my hands a lot. Um, so I think it's that, you know, it's we have to communicate in ways. And even though that's a small thing, I know, but we have to communicate in ways that we feel comfortable with. And just like we intake, you know, and process information, all of us may be slightly different. Um, and I think it's, you know, when we're talking about kids, it's looking at, you know, we have to look at them through that same lens, you know, even if it's not having a label, you know, but it's looking at, well, what are the needs of this child? How do they process information? How do they best communicate? You know, um, how can we get the best out of them and how can we help them get the best out of themselves and understanding their strengths and weaknesses? And I think if we started to look at all the into us as individuals, you know, via the lens of, right, well, what are your strengths and weaknesses? You know, how can we help support those, you know, those strengths so you can better use them? And how can we support those weaknesses, you know, maybe so they don't affect you as much? Then I think in general that that would allow all of us, you know, to have not only a better understanding of each other, but a better way of, you know, supporting kids in school, supporting our employees, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Which, which really brings us to the topic of community, which is something mm -hmm. you have really emphasized in, in your work. And I, I would agree that when you feel different, you feel very oftentimes can feel, feel very alone, can feel mm -hmm. very socially isolated, feel like you're not understood and that no one is like you who understands your, yeah. your difference. And so you've really put a lot of emphasis on creating community. Tell us more about that. Yes, well, I think that's what the whole concept of like the movement, Lady Rebel Club in and of itself is about the move is that, you know, being the movement for for our community and creating that community. And I thought it was really important um, for us to not when it came to the community aspect to not have it be something that people had to join, because there will be a lot of people in our community who don't want to join groups or Facebook groups or, you know, private communities or whatever it might be, right? Some will and some won't. Um, and all of us like different things. So I thought it was really important that, and we kind of have a saying, you know, if uh, when it comes to Lady Rebel Club, if you're one of us, you're one of us. So even if it's just maybe watching, you know, reading a post that I put up or one of our other community posts up, you know, talking about you know, maybe things that are going on with us, you know, I do, I am quite, of course, I don't go into every nitty gritty, but I do talk a lot and I'm quite open, you know, on some of, uh, on some of the social channels. So if they can identify with some of that and go, well, hey, yeah, if, you know, if I have, you know, this anxiety or if I have ADHD or if I have this and Jennifer's, you know, able to jump on a live and do this or to talk about this or to, you know, empower herself to do X, Y, and Z. Well, hey, maybe there's nothing wrong with me either. And maybe I can too. And I think it's just having that, element of community knowing just letting them know um hey you're not on your own and if they want to you know be part of something else you know then they can and you know and again a huge part of what we do is about the elevation um especially because you know most of our audience would be entrepreneurs and business owners and I don't feel that there's a lot of places where we can be elevated in a natural way that isn't completely either saying 
either there isn't a space for us at all and we're kind of an afterthought that's like a box ticking you know kind of exercise well we've got the disability inclusive you know <laughs> kind of aspect covered or we're completely portrayed as being fully superhuman which is really I think detrimental to the mental health of other people you know other people in our community um or sometimes I feel a lot of times we're treated kind of like puppies you know we're like oh good good girl you've done this one small kind of menial thing uh, and I thought it was really important that we tell our stories and we elevate our community as whole individuals, you know, good, you know, the good, the good, the warts, the strengths, the weaknesses, the whole shebang. So that our other people in our community who maybe aren't far as far along their journey, you know, with their own self-empowerment and, you know, um, that they could again see where you know everyone else is coming from and where they've come from and how they can still have bad days because I think again you see so much stuff on social media and even with good intentions you know and I would stress that and a lot of the influencers and stuff would have good intentions but you do see some that it's only positive you know they're going oh I have ADHD and I have this and I have that but you know my my house is perfectly clean all five of my kids are perfectly dressed and I'm like my kids, you know, go out in the ties up to here half the time. I've forgotten to give them their break. You know, I'm half asleep going, what, what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not like that in real life, you know, most of the time. And I think that, again, that it's important to show our stories in that environment that so that they can understand that and, and feel okay, you know. Well, and to be vulnerable is how I hear that, yeah. right? To be oh, willing yeah. to be vulnerable in a public forum um, is mm -hmm. really a powerful thing. And it takes, I think, a lot of courage because we're living in an era where everything is filtered and like airbrushed. And yes. even those images you're seeing on social media are not accurate to what you would mm -hmm. see probably in real life you know yeah looking at that person's house or seeing exactly it, it's all know, perfect and pretty right. and wonderful right. and yeah and I'm not saying that's you know and there's nothing wrong with using filters there's nothing wrong with wearing makeup there's nothing wrong you know and doing all of the things you know again we're all different you know some of us will have more emphasis on making sure our house our house is spotless some of us will have more emphasis on other things right uh but I think it's it's, yeah, it's having that real, you know, that more realistic, I guess, um, you know, bar, <laughs> so yeah. to say, where we can say, well, look, we can still have, you know, all of this stuff going on with us, not have perfect days, have crap days, have fantastic days, and still do rocking things in our business and life, you know, um, and I think it's once we again, it's, we have to flip that internal paradigm first. So in our own mind before we can switch it eternally. So again, I think it's almost like that pay it forward, you know, aspect where, you know, I was able to do that for myself and I'm hopefully helping, you know, hopefully helping, you know, others kind of do that so that they can continue to pay it forward and let others see that, oh, right. So once I flip the switch internally, then I can change the external things. I can change maybe how things work at home. I can change how I work within the business. I can change how people treat me. I can change how I react. I can, you know, better support myself and all of the, all of the things. Yeah. Fundamentally, it's changing the way you're seeing yourself. You know, like yeah. I, I know you've written some books. I actually also just wrote a book called What If You're Not As Fucked Up As You Think You Are. 
That's a great title. Exactly. (laughs) I was going, why did I not think of that? That's fantastic. (laughs) I I mean, because really it's like, it's, it's all about how much we are judging ourselves and these limiting Mm. beliefs that are creating the shame, creating the stigma, creating that response to these labels. Labels are just words. They don't mean anything Mm. unless you like take them personally and make them mean something and you make yourself Mm. wrong and you shame yourself. And it it all starts with that internal shift, like starting Mm -hmm. to maybe question and challenge, why am I seeing myself in such a negative light? What if there's nothing wrong with me? Yes. Yes. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm I'm different. You're different. We're all different. Who cares? Why are we making it so significant? So that's the message I'm trying to put out in the world. And I, and I feel a kinship with you, you know, sharing yes, this message sure. as well. Yeah. So what, tell us more, Jennifer, about the other offerings that you have available. Um, well, we actually just launched our first book um, called Rebel with a Cause. And it's myself and 14 other authors who are also, you know, disabled or who have neurodiversities. And I think that's been a real game changer not only for the authors involved, um, but for our community in that we're pretty raw and real in it. You know, uh, we we don't sort of, um, yeah, we don't uh, use a lot of filters in our, in our book, so to say. And I think it gives a good, you know, it gives a good analogy of, you know, when you remove the no more hiding and when you do these kinds of things of, of that self-empowerment and even those some of the authors are very even very early in that journey um you know like one of the authors Cassandra she's narcoleptic and she never really talked about her narcolepsy with anyone you know despite the fact that she has two master degrees in communication she works at a university she speaks three languages one of which English she only learned to speak I think when she was 21 when she went to university for an English communication degree I mean she's you know, off the chart, off the charts, like, you know, amazing. Um, but she always had this thing, you know, but I'm, I'm not really, I'm not really, you know, I've got all this, you know, stuff with the narcolepsy and it was amazing for me to kind of watch her, you know, sort of flourish through that and, and, and realize that, yeah, actually there's things about it that is a bit crap, but there's also a lot of great stuff, you know, that it gives me as well. Um, So that's a great thing that I would encourage, you know, anyone, you know, if you yourself are, you know, neurodivergent or have any kind of disability or know somebody who, who is, or does that that's, you know, a a great, a great read for them. Um, And then, yeah, we have the, well, it's not really so much offerings, but we, and we're actually just in the process of rebranding and relaunching all of these because we have some new partners we're working with, Um, but we have a magazine called Roar. We have a podcast called Rebel Hour. We actually have a, t- a, a cable TV show launching soon too called the Lady Rebel Club Show. Um, and then we have a big event coming in October that's launching some of the, the official chapters. And that includes working with uh, Frances um, for her diverse, uh, beautifully diverse fashion show, which is all about, you know, diversity in fashion, which we don't see very much either. Um, and all of those things, basically everything except for the book, the book we do, or anthology series, I should say, we do charge to be part of because of the costs associated with it. Um, but everything else we do for free, you know, in order to, to try to help, you know, elevate the profiles. So for sure, you know, you can go to our website and you can see how anyone, you know, can contact us about, you know, if you want to get an interview um, or be featured or you have some ideas for columns, you know, reach out to us because we're always looking for for new and wonderful people to to elevate on the platforms. 
Wonderful. I love what you're doing, Jennifer. It really is Thank such you. empowering, important work. Your cat. I know. <laughs> your cat's like, I have to say hello. He to introduce me. And he won't show his, he doesn't like his face on camera. Like if I try to do this, he gets really upset. He's like, no, no, but it's not tail, happening. His butt, he's happy to like flaunt that all over the screen. It's I not, know. it's not a really great podcast episode until you've had cat butt live. <laughs> That's his contribution. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, but it's been such a pleasure to speak with you today and have this conversation. And I'm so happy there are other people out there in the world who um, share this the spirit of empowerment and and really wanting to move beyond the stigma and the labels and really honor us for our difference and and our strengths and and the gift that we all be mm. to the world. So um, yes, well, thanks very much for having me as well. It's been lovely to to connect with another like mind. Yeah. So, and for those of you who've been listening or watching this podcast, if you like this, please do like, share, comment, rate the podcast, you know, all the things that help it get out there in the world so more people can find it and maybe more people can realize that they're not the only ones out there who are feeling mm -hmm. different, who are feeling weird or wondering what's wrong with them. Um, and they can hear this message as well. So yes, for sure. Thanks everyone for tuning in and we'll see you next time on Kaleidoscope of Possibilities. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. This has been Dr. Adriana Popescu. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe and share with others. To find out more about me, my guests, and more, please visit my website at adrianapopescu.org. See you next time.